Have no fear of missing out. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. If you don't ask, you don't get. Quote from Gandhi. Or, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. From Charles Swindoll. Or, another great one, the secret to getting ahead is getting started from Mark Twain. And I think these are all quotes that we've all heard. Um, the idea that we need to ask for what we want, we need to seize opportunities, is something that we, I think we've all hear, and we hear a lot in, in today's day and age. But I want to take a different twist on this. And you know, it even goes into the Nora Roberts quote, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask the questions, the answer is always no. And if you don't step forward, you will always stay in place. And I think I want to add another one to this, is that, if you don't, if you aren't prepared to raise your hand and you haven't, you don't have a mindset that, that realizes what raising your hand at an opportunity that's presented to you, you'll never be able to make up for your lack of ability of asking for what you want or going, doing the things that you want to step forward. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that and really how raising my hand changed my entire life long before I did any of this stuff. But before we get there, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Wix.com. As many of you know, I'm actually working with Wix.com, doing a weekly series over there at the New York Times Stock Exchange, where I'm debunking different digital myths uh, on behalf of Wix. And I'm actually uh, migrating my entire website, isocialfans.com, over to Wix. And I really love Wix's new program. And it's really focused towards um, those that are an agency, maybe a web design agency or a marketing agency, uh, or even small businesses where, you know, we want to be able to create on your demand websites when we want, where we want, how we want. And Wix has always been great for that. But their new, the, their new solution that they've kind of rolled out, it allows you to work directly with the Wix partners and Wix marketplace to work with designers and developers so that you don't have to do it all yourself, but you can leverage a lot of the benefits that the Wix platform um, enables. And this was uh, the reason when they reached out to me that I was like, oh, I got I to gotta use this for my, my company, for my Wayne website. I mean, this is my everything. I mean, isocialfans.com is the site that I built that has generated all the traffic, that has generated all the leads, even where the content lives that I'm going to talk about on this episode. And so a uh, big shout out to Wix.com. Uh, check out Wix.com and see some of their new offerings. Uh, if you're interested in, in kind of taking this the next fur- qu- further and you want me to do an introduction, uh, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social networks. Of course, I will uh, happily get into uh, making that intro so you guys can take advantage of Wix. And I'm really glad they decided to partner with me on uh, this project as well as some future projects that we have in the works. So um, that's what we got to that. So now it's time to get into the show. How raising my hand has really been symbolic to the success and journey I've been on in my life and in my business. And for me, it's, it's funny how that works as someone growing up uh, I wasn't the most popular kid in school, but I was the kid that knew the most amount of people. 
if that makes sense. I was the kid that uh, played in multiple different uh, groups. I could hang out with the thespians. I could hang out with the jocks. I could hang out with the computer science kids. Uh, I could hang out with the bad boys or bad girls. I could. Uh, I was, you know, uh, very active in the LGBTQ uh, community. Uh, I also was on the yearbook and, and newspaper staff. And when I look back about a lot of the things in my life in my journey. A lot of them had to do with this idea that uh, I just I, I want to please people. I wanted to make people happy. Um, I wanted to um, really, you know, I really enjoy human connection. I enjoy the people around me. But there's also been this uh, idea and this thing that I think a lot of people uh, have probably heard. But it's something that you know I don't I don't even know who coined the phrase the the original time and maybe someone that listened to this will know but the idea that you'll, you'll never get what you don't ask for and asking for things for me has always been very difficult it's still very difficult to this day and so one of the things that i've kind of embraced over my career over my life is that um, i know that i'm not very good at asking for what i want i'm getting better at it now or asking for things that i need to be successful or making an ask that i know i've earned but i you know, maybe not comfortable making that, that ask happen. But what I've always been really good at, and I think this is where it comes into, is that when an opportunity presents itself, I, without question, will take the leap of faith, knowing that I will, that, you know, not only will I uh, embrace it, but I will make the most of it, and that I was not afraid uh, of failure in the sense of, if I was going to commit to doing something, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to do it all in. And so for me, you know, I even remember in, and I remember this day in high school, it was my sophomore year in high school and I was talking to my guidance counselor and he had said, Brian, like, what do you want to be like after high school? Like, what is your goals? And I like, you know, cause of who I was, I was laid back in my chair, like all vegged out and was like, of course, well, I'm gonna go to college and then, you know, maybe play some sports. And then uh, my goal is to be a, a sports center newscaster, like a, a sports center anchor. And I was like, he was like, What? He's like, you think you're going to go to college? And he's like, and wait, sports center anchor, like your worst classes are English and writing. And that was your worst on your pre SAT. Like, what are you thinking? And I remember at the time for me, and, and this, and the, the funny part story of this is this guidance counselor was my guidance counselor in middle school and high school. He came to my high school graduation. He actually came uh, to my college graduation party, uh, ended up becoming a really good friend. Uh, shout out to Mr. Rubin. If you, uh, if you ever listen to this or if anyone knows Mr. Rubin in Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, Mr. Rubin was an amazing guidance counselor for me, um, allowed me to things that I didn't realize at the time he was really helping me out on. He did, but, um, when I looked at that and he was like, you're going to need better grades. You're going to have to fix a lot of the stuff in your career and things that are going on. And I did. I, I worked really hard. Um, I, I studied a lot. Uh, what's this? <laughs> let's, not, let's not lie here on there. I didn't study a lot. I found out how to work with a lot of friends that knew what was going on and they could help me with my homework. They could help me study in a way that mattered to me. Um, and I ended up making good grades, getting into a couple of universities on probation. Um, but what I, I kind of remember back at that time was that he said, well, Brian, I want you to go ask the English teacher what you could do to improve your grade or what would make you successful. And I was like, Oh, I could go make an ask. And I, and I didn't do it. But then a month or so later, the, the English teacher that I had at the time, my sophomore year in high school, she said, 
Um, I wanna, I'm going to teach a class for the junior year, and it's going to be an AP class. It's going to be a college-level course, but it's going to be focused on those that don't enjoy writing or reading, but those that believe they want to work in professions in this space. And it's going to really push the envelope on um, taking, you know, kind of this cognitive learning space. And remember, this is 1997, 1998, and I threw my hand up first. And I remember her face being like, what? Like, Brian, why are you interested? And I was like, well, I'm struggling to get a D in basic English. And I don't think it's because I can't read. It's because it's not challenging in a way that I could be challenged. So I'm up for taking on this challenge in this AP course. Well, I ended up getting a B in this AP course. It wasn't the greatest course for me. It wasn't the greatest class for me. But I remember throwing my hand up. And when I told my guidance counselor, his first words were like, I'm so glad you took the initiative to ask. And I was like, oh, I didn't ask. But she made the ask and I threw my hand up and he made kind of the point to me. And I don't know if he said it right then, but it was something that's kind of stuck with me was that if I'm going to be the person that isn't someone that likes to ask for favors or ask people to do something, I'm not the cold email that says, Hey, you have a great event going on. You've been, I have been friends for a long time. You should have me speak. Or I'm not even one that says like, Hey, you loved me as a presenter. Um, you love my show. Can you uh, write a testimonial? I mean, even asking for people to do um, iTunes reviews of my podcast is, is a struggle for me making that ask. But I remember him kind of kind of instilling in me, and, and maybe it was what I learned, was that if, if I'm struggling asking people for what I want, I have to be willing to raise my hand first and dive into things that maybe I'm not sure if it aligns, but will give me the opportunity to shine, give me the opportunity to be successful. And nothing was more the case than this than my first real job. And and just to, you know, I got I, when I got out of college, I couldn't get a job in cybersecurity. I took a job working for UPS delivering packages. Um, I'm kind of the cla- I'm kind of a competition guy. So um, they hired us all on a Christmas hires. There was 98 of us. And they told us about a week in that there would be three full union positions available for the people that graded the highest um, as a new driver, as a new driving assistant during the the holiday season. Um, I happened to be just out of college, played hockey in college, was in the best shape of my life, um, and I'm very competitive. So I ended up getting the second of those three spots. I had the second highest um, rating and ended up taking a union job. Um, for about 11 months, I worked as a union UPS driver wearing the short shorts. Um, and then I realized I interviewed for a computer job at that company. And they pretty much came back and told me, Brian, um, you're the perfect fit. You're who we need. But we are a company built on seniority. And so after about seven years of driving the truck, we're going to bring you back in here to uh, take on this job, internal technology. Uh, and I knew immediately I needed to get out of that job. Uh, I was not going to wait around for seven years, uh, especially because I was perfect timing for that that role. And based on some ridiculous check mark or number of years, I wouldn't take that job. So I ended up, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was in line uh, at a grocery store buying milk. And the gentleman in front of me recognized my fraternity letters. We ended up talking. He knew a couple people that were in my fraternity uh, and ended up offering me to come interview for a cybersecurity help desk job that was 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift. Um, I did not have a government clearance. I knew nothing about cybersecurity. I knew enough about technology. Um, And in his mind, he didn't have to unlearn me anything and that I was a good uh, place in my career where I could take this entry-level job. Um, I had to take a massive pay cut at the time. 
time because UPS delivering packages uh, union was making a lot of really good money um, just out of college. Um, and so I ended up taking this job. And the reason I tell you this whole story is I was working there uh, maybe for six months at the time, maybe a little bit longer than six months. Um, and I was really thriving, but it was that 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. help desk job. Uh, there was a group of us that were on the help desk. It was a big government contract. Uh, I was able to get my secret clearance, um, which, you know, for anyone that knows in the government game, once you get your first clearance, that's the hardest one uh, to get. And I remember the day uh, so clearly. And I remember what I was wearing funny enough, um, as funny as that was, as I was wearing a blue polo, um, with the company's name, BAA systems on my, on the front of my, my blue polo. And the, the boss at the time, Joel, he came into our office and said, uh, Hey guys, I wanted to know, um, who here in the room would be comfortable going to Korea next week and teaching. And before he finished the word teaching, I threw up my hand, I raised my hand. And he was like, really, Brian, you're, you're interested? I was like, yeah, I think I could pull it off. And I was like, what are we teaching? And he's like, well, you're teaching the, the course about the tool that you've been troubleshooting on the help desk. Um, but have you been to the course? No. And he's like, well, the person that was on our team decided to, um, to quit out of the blue. And we have a course uh, with the active duty military in Korea. Um, and he asked, you know, he's like, do you have a passport? And I was like, well, I've been out of the country on a cruise, but I don't have a passport. <laughs> And he was like, well, let's see if we can get you a same-day passport um, on Saturday and then get you on a flight. And I had never left, you know, I had been to the Caribbean, the Bahamas, Jamaica, um, been to Mexico, been a lot of those places down there on cruises, but I had never really left the country. Uh, and so I ended up, you know, going the next day, sitting in Washington, D.C. for a same-day passport, which ended up taking about five hours. I went home and packed. And I got on my first international flight I'd ever been on. We flew to Atlanta, and then I had a 13-hour direct flight flight from Atlanta to Seoul, Korea. I got off in Seoul, Korea, and I was told to jump on a high-speed train uh, down south the next morning. So I stayed the night in Seoul, Korea um, for the first time. Uh, and then I got on a high-speed train the next morning and took the high-speed train two hours south uh, to teach this course. And I can tell you, on the way there, on that 13-hour flight, um, I was taking, uh, I, we didn't have Red Bull at the time, but I remember taking uh, medicine that was helping me stay awake. And I was reading the manuals and I was watching these videos that we had created on our tool. And I was really studying hard. And then every day when I, we finished this course, it was a uh, 9am to 5pm, four days in a row. And then everyone that took the training course had to be certified at the end. And every night I would go back and read and study what I needed to teach the military the next morning. Like I, that's how much I, I didn't know the topic, but I, I was very confident in the fact that I was troubleshooting all of this for people that were having problems with the tools on my help desk job. Therefore, if I could take the, the, the learnings of what this tool was about and kind of twist it into what I was used to uh, from a troubleshooting perspective, um, I could provide value as a trainer. And the long story short of that is that, you know, on the way home, I remember uh, arriving in Atlanta and, and turning my BlackBerry on at the time and uh, got a message from my boss saying, you killed it. They want you back. And not only that, but they said it was the, the best course they had ever received um, on the, the, the tool. And when you get back in the office on Monday, we need to talk about what that role would look like for you and how you should take on this role. And 
I ended up doubling my salary, um, completely doubling my salary, taking on this new role. And I ended up having that role until I ended up, uh, till our contract uh, ended and I ended up leaving uh, the BA Systems company. And I took it from, uh, at the time, it was four courses a year uh, to we started creating four courses a week um, in different locations around the world. And the reason I tell that whole story and the reason I wanted to share this is that you know, raising my hand at that time, like when he, when I raised my hand at the help desk, part of what I knew was I just wanted an opportunity to do something more. And part of it was I hate, I hate mornings. I still hate mornings. I hated the 6am shift and I didn't really care what I was going to have to do as long as it was something that was different hours <laughs> and allowed me an opportunity to show off my, my skill set, my talents beyond what they had seen at the time. And I was not a good student. Therefore, I did not think of myself as a good trainer or a good teacher. Uh, it took me a while to learn that some of the best teachers, the best trainers are those that were not good students because they can understand what doesn't work and why what they did, what teachers did for, for me that I really allowed me to disconnect. But when I look back, like when I look at that moment, when I look at raising my hand and I, and I, I want, I want everyone to kind of think about this is it wasn't about that I was prepared. It wasn't about that I was, um, I knew the topic. It wasn't that I wasn't even really afraid of failure, but I was, I was actively looking for opportunities to level up. And I think in today's day and age, and, it's, and it really, it transcended anything I've done, ever done, right? I've taken, uh, you know, when I went to Iraq the first time, they were like, well, would anyone here want to go to Iraq? And no one on my team wanted to go. And I threw my hand up and said, sure. Let's see how we can make it happen. And we, you know, at the time they weren't allowing government contractors into Iraq. Um, I ended up going into Iraq, and then I went to Afghanistan a couple of weeks later. Uh, and then leaving Afghanistan, we ended up not being put on the immediate um, leave list. And I ended up sleeping outside um, for three days because we kept getting passed up for high, um, high important uh, personnel that needed to be moved around the country. And because me leaving the country to go home wasn't considered um, high, you know, high importance. You know, I was just kind of forced to kind of you know, stick around and kind of deal with that. And, but I, when I look at back about, or I look at things today and I look at like the world we're living in today and I look at like success, like, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I'm 38 years old today. And I look at a lot of things where I still struggle sometimes asking people for, or making an ask or, you know, even getting people to sign up for my new email newsletter. Um, I've been struggling with how I want that to happen. You know, uh, even asking my speaker agent to do things for me, even though I'm paying her and she wants me to do things, I've always struggled that. And it's something I'm becoming better at. I'm finding ways to feel less guilty about making the ask. But when I hear people talk about like, you only, you only get what you're willing to ask for. I want to kind of give us a different perspective and say, you only have the opportunity to succeed for what you're willing to take a chance on accomplishing. And what I mean by that is raising my hand, like, and I physically raised my hand that time in the, uh, on the help desk. I was not scared. I was not worried. What I thought of in my head was, 
ooh, Korea. Okay, I've never been out of the country. I love the idea of traveling. And the second thing was my boss was coming to make an ask where I felt at the time he didn't want to be the one that had to go there, which later on I learned. Um, he actually ended up working on my team later on. Uh, uh, Joel, my boss, did at the time. Um, that he was like, yeah, he would have been in the one that would have had to go to this uh, course if I wasn't willing to do it. And it wasn't something that um, he was really wanted to do, travel to Korea or, or take on a traveling job. And, you know, it's one of those things where you have to start looking in your life and your business. And we always hear about seizing opportunities. And, and I agree about seizing opportunities, but you have to be in the right mindsets to identify opportunities that might not seem perfect, but they seem like they would be the vehicle for you to be able to demonstrate what you do best. And I can tell you as a speaker, this is like, I mean, this is everything. Um, as a keynote speaker, you know, when I look at an event and they tell me like, oh, we don't have budget or we can't pay you your full fee. For me, an event being valuable to me is not just about the money I'm getting paid. I can tell you there's a couple of events that I'm getting paid my full fee and they're not the most valuable events for me and my business. And the reason is, is because they're very one-off. I know they won't hire me again. But when I look at value, I look at saying, okay, who's in the audience? Who doesn't know who I am that might be blown away once they discover who I am? Who's in the audience that might be at a level that they probably would have never shown up to see a backwards hat wearing colored shoes, wearing guy, uh, talk about cross-generational communication. Um, but once they're in that room because they have to attend this event, who, who are, the, are those people in that room to where I could impress, where I could see them, right? And this goes to everything. Like, you know, even when you're looking at your podcast, like when I think of my podcast, I don't ever talk about the download numbers of this podcast. And it's not because I'm ashamed of them. It's not because, but it's for me, when I look at the podcast, the podcast for me, it's a, it plays many different roles in my, in my, in my journey. It's part of it is it's me raising my hand every week to say that I'm going to be consistent. It's me raising my hand to talk about topics that maybe no one would interview me on. No one would know that I know unless I was putting it out. And so, and, and that's really how content creation has fallen for me. And a lot of people ask me, Brian, you know, they'll say things like, how are you an overnight success? Or how did you go from, you know, 20% of your business being speaking um, in 2015 to 90% of your business being speaking in 2019? And I think the answer to me has always been like, you know, I know what I have to do. I know I'm very confident in who I am and what I know. And I know that I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to know everything. But I've, I create content. I, I do a lot of these things. I, I do a lot of things that other people aren't willing to do because I know that I'm also on the flip side of that, not willing to do or not able or not comfortable doing some of the things that other people do for success. And so when I look at raising my hand, I look at this idea of like, you know, what did it take to, for me to raise my hand that one time? And, and, it, and it's happened multiple times, you know, since then, right? Raising my hand to take on um, a new client where they're like, I don't know if this is going to be successful from a speaking perspective, but Brian, it, it, no one else is willing to do it. And I've always been okay with being the exception to every rule. And I, I like to think that you don't want to strive to always be the exception to the rule because the path is going to be much harder. But you have to be willing and okay with the fact that there is plenty of times that you will be the exception to the rule. And there's plenty of times where you need to zig because everyone else is zagging. Or there's plenty of times where, yes, you could have made the ask. Yes, you could have been direct. 
But imagine the difference when someone coming to you making the ask rather than you making the ask yourself. And so I want to challenge everybody, you know, and I, and I look at this for me and my career and my business is you have to understand how you work best. How do you sell best? How do you market best? How do you, how do you set yourself up for most success? But that also includes how do you look at different things in your life and opportunities that other people aren't willing to look at, or maybe they don't identify as a business development opportunity yet, you know, that if you you build that trust, you build that, that, that connection with people that it could ultimately lead to something successful. And, and, and I think this is where you also have to be willing to look at things as, as an opportunity to raise your hand and present something different. Nothing, not everything has to be about money when you're, when you're making an ask, you know, asking people for, okay, I want, you know, I know you can't afford to hire me to consult with your business right now, but I want you to be able to connect me with some of your clients, or I want you to be able to put my stuff on your website, or I want you to blah, blah, whatever that may be. When you raise your hand for something and you're, you have this mindset where you're willing to raise your hand, it can be life-changing and opportunity in the sense that it will open up opportunities that you didn't know existed or ones that were not on your radar. And this is where, for me, it's been the most successful. It's been the most exciting because I can tell you, whenever I raised my hand for that gig, you would have told me I would build a training course and then build a team of trainers that would deploy a course in cybersecurity, I would have said, no way. If I would have told you that that course would have created me the opportunity to, to take an entry-level training job at a data center company that I could then very quickly transition into my dream job, which was a technology evangelist that was built on the concept that I was good at training and I understood technology that allowed me to discover my dream job, which was becoming a public speaker and doing this for the rest of my life. When I look back at all of this journey... If I don't raise my hand to go to Korea before I even knew what I needed to do in Korea, I might have never discovered my love for training and education. It would have, might have never led to the job of becoming an evangelist that then allowed me to become an entrepreneur to discover the world of public speaking to make this my living. And so I challenge everyone. It's not press the damn button. It's raise your damn hand. Raise your damn hand even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're not sure if it has business value, even if you're not sure it could lead to anything directly to what you're doing in your current job, in your current life. Because guess what? I was working at a help desk with the dream of being a technology evangelist and working for the center of excellence in, sci in computer science. And then I wanted to be able to segue that into working behind the scenes at a media company so that I could somehow become that sports center anchor that I wanted to be. And that was the path I wanted to be on. And I probably would have tried to force that path. But raising my hand has now allows me to host podcasts as a media company and go on stages and, and share my thoughts as a speaker in a way that I never would have imagined. So those opportunities are there if you're willing and able to put yourself out there and raise your hand. And raising my hand has changed my life. It's, it's something, you know, I, I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot more recently in my, in my business uh, and even with those that are around me. When something, you know, presents itself or someone is asking for a volunteer, I, I look at it and say, can I add value to them? Is this something that I feel like I have the time to accomplish? And then ultimately, 
how much effort goes out. The, the weird thing and the, and the thing that goes on right now for me, a lot of the things that have led to my most successful business partnerships started with me just saying that I could volunteer my time. I could, sure, I could show up to your event and live tweet. Sure, I can help promote your book. Sure, I can uh, go to your, your kid's class and talk about chasing your dreams. Sure, um, I have no problem getting on a phone call and walking you through how to go live on Facebook Live. And to me, when I look at all of these things and I look at raising my hand, I'm going to leave you guys with this, is that raising my hand and volunteering for an opportunity that would allow me to discover really all it was, was if there is a, it was a place for me to build trust. And I talk about this all the time and I, and I hate it sounding fluffy, but it shouldn't be fluffy. Every business is in the business of trust today, but building trust doesn't always happen. And I, I would say most of the time it doesn't happen via just selling something to someone, marketing something to someone, or even someone hiring you to do something. Oftentimes trust comes based on someone else word of mouth. Trust also ha happens based on how consistent you are showing up. Trust also happens when you help somebody in a way that becomes unexpected. Trust is also established more often than not when someone realizes that your goal isn't for them to trust you, rather you just want to help and deliver and they see that and they and they want to get to know you more. And so I look at it as such an amazing opportunity and I'm so thankful that in my life that I raised my hand. I raised my hand without having a passport, without ever being outside the country, without ever to have taught a training course before. But I knew that I'd be willing to do what was needed to make it happen. And I tell you, I, I watched more videos and read more manuals on that flight back, on the flight to, to Korea than I would ever want to admit. But the long story short was, if you're willing to do whatever possible to deliver on what you agree to do, then you should also be willing and able to raise your hand at any opportunity that's presented to you because all that is is, is a door that is open for you to do what you do best. Be yourself, set yourself up for success, establish that trust, and hopefully transform your life as well as others. For me, raising my hand was more important than pressing the damn button and telling my story because my story started long before I pressed any damn button. My story and who I was discovering my path and find my calling happened probably when I raised my hand in high school to join that AP English class because I realized then that I wasn't scared to do something that other people didn't believe I belonged in. And then it transformed into raising my hand on the help desk, which allowed me to discover the career I have today. I challenge you. Raise your hand. Set yourself up for opportunities to raise your hand. Cheers.